Jay right in your face. Welcome back to the Fadeaway Podcast. I'm your host, Fatty, and alongside me today, buddy. Yeah. It's very fitting considering a couple things we're going to talk about. Mr. Joel MZ. <laughs> Joel MZ. Not even the full name? No, nah, no, nah, we're stopping it. Yeah? MZ. That's not What's bad. going on, man? It's been Good. a minute. Yeah, we had our own little uh, all-star break. You were gone for a bit. Yeah, yeah. You were on Bebo's Batch in the sun while I was in the cold. Um, and Way off in the deep end, bro, like yeah. usual. You know what it is. So yeah, uh, exactly. We didn't see many posts <laughs> of you guys in, in Yeah, yeah. In, it was uh, it was too good of a time to, to be worried about social yeah. media. So it was, uh, it was a blast. Shout out to Bebo. Happy bachelor party, sir. And shout out to to Bowmanville, everyone. Bowmanville, who, who went well, some new friends, eh? So, uh, so yeah, we uh, took took a break. Took longer than we than we, we had hoped. Yeah. We were supposed to come back earlier this week. Had some technical difficulties, but we here. We're back, and uh, we have a very very exciting guest on the podcast today. Uh, we're gonna introduce this individual in a second. But Zay, did you catch the uh, the big game last night, Milwaukee Toronto? Caught most of it. Three quarters yeah. of it, and then it was uh, a little disappointing. A little disappointing, we'll but but there's some upsides, and we'll get into all that. Yeah. But uh, let's uh, let's introduce our friend right away, Mr. Joshua Howe. How you doing, man? I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're awesome, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. It's our, our, our pleasure to have you on. And I know I uh, sort of slid into your DMs like a month ago, and I was like, yo, <laughs> I didn't expect you to respond that quickly, to be very honest with you. And you did, and I was like, crap, I got like vacation coming up. <laughs> I'm going to have to book him in for like three weeks. I hope he doesn't think I'm like full of crap. But uh, thanks so much for coming on, man. We uh, we really appreciate it. We're going to have you, uh, you know, just to bounce off some ideas of, or some, some topics rather Raptors related and around the league. But uh, before we get into that, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, sir. What do you do? Oh, um, well, at the moment, I'm a freelance journalist. So I just recently finished uh, an internship coming out of a sports journalism program. At, uh, at a college here at Centennial College in Toronto, um, and I was at uh, Sportsnet, yep, at an internship there, working as an associate editor, um, and uh, I still write for Sportsnet. Um, I do some other freelancing in other areas. I, I still do stuff at Raptors Republic occasionally, which is kind of where all this started for me, yeah. um, having interactions with Blake Murphy and and those types of guys and Raptors Twitter and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, yeah that, that's that's kind of what I do right now. And then I do some other writing and stuff on the side too. I write about film sometimes and um, and things like that. I do some editing as well for people that need it. So, yeah, freelancing right now and, uh, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, doing things as they come. Cool. And uh, would you say that uh, the Raptors are like your sort of your go-to team? Because I've seen you on Twitter. You tweet about not just basketball, so – uh, what's your sort of go-to sport? Is it basketball? And how, how do you feel about the Raptors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so for sure. No, I, I I, usually, occasionally I'll tweet about like other sports, but not too much. Um, the NBA is definitely um, the main focus for me, and the Raptors are also the, the main focus as well, just because, um, you know, they're the team that was always geographically closest to me. So that's the team I took an interest in because I knew if I was going to go in the direction of the sports industry that – uh, that would be the team that I would be trying to get, um, you know, closer to in terms of covering. And, and I have done that. I worked for, uh, the Raptors on the contract earlier this season. I wrote for Raptors.com and did some really cool stuff there. No way. Um, and it's, it's really great experience getting to do that. So that's cool. That's cool. How'd you, uh, how'd you come across that opportunity? 
Um, I actually, uh, I'm, I'm super lucky. Almost every opportunity I, I tend to just, I fall backwards into, um, and I, I don't really know how I wind up there. Um, someone vouched for me, uh, for the Raptors.com thing and they, they just put me on a list, handed it off to somebody, somebody else got the list and so forth and so on. And eventually I got a call from Raptors Digital and they said, would you be interested in coming for a month contract? to cover the Raptors for the end of October and during November. And I said, absolutely, I would love that. And uh, so I was there for ring night and uh, the games through November and stuff yeah. like that. And I wrote yeah. about all that stuff. And I, I, I did a big fle- uh, big feature on Fred Van Vliet and Rockford at the end. And it was great, man. It was, a, it was a really fun experience. And it's cool being around the team and getting to be in the locker room and kind of feeling what the vibe is as a, as a beat reporter for a little bit. Uh, that's awesome. So speaking, let's stay on the Raptors topic we know that they had the big game this week against the Bucks. They fell one hundred eight to ninety seven. Maybe just yeah. give us some, you know, some views, some maybe some positives and some negatives from that game and what you saw and and you know leading it and leading it on to the playoff picture this year. You know, obviously everyone's saying who's going to contend against the Bucks. The Raptors could be a contender, but you know, there's something certain, certain things that I saw that were kind of scary during the game. But what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, I think first things first is the Bucks are really, really good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, I, I, and I saw a lot of complaining from some people just being like, you know, like, oh, well, this happened and that happened. And, and you know, obviously uh, Gasol and Powell weren't there and blah, blah, blah. And all this stuff is true and whatever. But some of it is just like the Bucks are awesome. And you kind of have to give them credit at some point. It can't all be that the Raptors didn't do something or that Siakam wasn't good enough or X and X and whatever. Um, the Bucks are great. And... Um, I, I think the biggest positive takeaway from that game in terms of uh, the Raptors' perspective would be the defense. I think the defense was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, they played their normal uh, defense. And yeah. we've seen, you know, in, in especially the recent parts of the schedule, they've been playing a bit of a softer schedule, right? They went on that huge winning streak, and they're playing a lot of sub-500 teams, and they've crushed those teams this season, uh, which matters. Um, but you'd like to see how that defense is going to stack up against, obviously, the better teams and against the Bucks. It was great. And, you know, the Bucks mm-hmm. are no slouches when it comes to offense either. They have a top five offense as well. So it was great to see that it worked there. It was great to see that they're able to slow Giannis to an extent uh, offensively, even though he's grown uh, tremendously in several areas compared to last year when they were in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome, you know? Like, I mean, even guys like Fred Van Vliet, I thought Fred Van Vliet didn't have the best offensive game, but he was so good defensively. Like, he was in everybody's grill. Um, yeah, yeah, so I think yeah. that's the big Very active. Yeah, no, yeah. and I, I agree with you there. He actually had five fouls that game, so it goes to show his aggressiveness. And, I mean, you can yeah. argue some of those calls are questionable, but that's neither here nor there in my opinion. Uh, when I look at this game, uh, the only – so, like you said, actually another thing that really was a bright spot for me was bench production. Um, our bench, I thought, yeah. came in and did excellent. Like Chris Boucher, uh, Terrence Davis, but most importantly, Matt Thomas had yeah. a stroke in that second quarter. Uh, I'm not a an NBA-level <laughs> coach by any means, but what I would definitely have loved to see more of Matty T. I thought he was uh, getting to his right spots. He was spreading our offense a little bit, and – on a night where really our starters didn't have it going, uh, offensively were the, the team was struggling. You know what yeah. I mean? And it was it was a bit rough at times. But what I want to draw comparisons to is everyone. So so the narrative now is everyone's so mad. You know, don't be so mad. The team had you know a 15 game winning streak. They won 17 of 18 games. They're a great team. You know they they can afford to lose a game, and I I completely understand that sentiment. But mm-hmm. the issue is when we're talking about a 15-game winning streak of, of teams sub-500, 
they haven't really been tested outside of Indiana, OKC, and I think there was a couple other teams in that run uh, that are respectable teams. Uh, they weren't really tested. And when I look at the first game against the Bucks and the second game against the Bucks, one of the bigger things that glares to me is, so in the first game, Serge Ibaka came off the bench. He was 3 of 10. Uh, and then in the second game, he started. He was 2 of 15. Mm-hmm. So everyone's saying, and even Nick Nurse said this after the game, you know, Chris or Serge had 21 straight games of, of greatness. Yeah. You know, he was he was playing really well, and not to knock him, you know, defensively, offensively, he was doing really well. He's hitting the three, and it's great. But when I look at patterns of, of his performance against specific teams, yeah, that's when it becomes a little bit sort of concerning to me. Fred Van Vliet, I know he did a really great job against uh, Milwaukee in the playoffs last year. That's actually where he sort of the latter end of that series is where he came to life. Uh, and, and in the first game, uh, he was 2 of 10. And in the most previous game, and in the most recent game, he was 5 of 14. So, again, below season averages, they're getting really uncomfortable. And I was watching this game, and I was like, this is probably one of the longest teams I've ever seen yeah. in action. Scary. Yeah. Right? From from their, their inside depth to their outside guys, their wing guys, like Middleton, Giannis, Lopez, even Wes Matthews has some like them. Like these guys are big guys, and you're coming, you're driving in the lane, and especially when you have a lineup with Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, there's a lack of size Small there. Small guys, and, and when you go in there and, and that's your game, you're gonna get dis- disrupted. Uh, but from you guys, I'm gonna go to go to Zade first on this. When you when I when I lay out the Serge Ibaka numbers for you in comparison, is this something that? concerns you moving forward come playoff time or is this sort of a we're gonna figure it out uh, on like nick nurse is gonna create a game plan to figure this out because another thing too is sergio Baco is two for 15 but he's one of 10 from three. Ten of his 15 shots came from beyond the arc i think what serge might miss the most is actually marcus all because especially in the, in the series against the bucks last year marcus all played a huge role defensively against the brook lopez and against stopping Giannis, and, and they together built that wall that was able to stop to stop Giannis. So I think Serge is playing his regular position, but he's not really playing it because he's all a lot of times we Nick Nurse likes to use him as at the four spot. So I I think he was what you were saying about him not being tested against that against the subpart teams in a fifteen game winning streak. I think that's just he was just able to get his because they weren't that great of teams, right? Like and 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 everybody on the team was rolling as well. Like this this game. Against the Bucks, nobody was rolling at all, mm-hmm. right? So it wasn't Serge, it wasn't, it wasn't Freddie, it wasn't, like it wasn't on Kyle. The, on the score sheet, you'll see like Pascal had twenty two and six, but if you actually watch the game, a lot of those points it came in the end. Yeah, when exactly. the game was essentially it was blown out. So yeah, you're right. Outside of Matt Thomas and like Chris Boucher, and maybe Rondé Hollis Jefferson, like our bench really, did, I mean, did a great job. But other than that. No starters were, were those really those those guys that we that we just named are they're not really the guys that we're saying oh they had it going there's guys these are guys that we're gonna depend on they yeah. they had ten points and we're saying they had a great game yeah that's the standard that they're at so for Serge I I don't think it's totally on him I think what's what's I guess good and bad about the team is that the Raptors kind of go they 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 thrive together and then they struggle together which kind of sucks because when they struggle you kind of want that guy that's gonna bring you out of that slump right you, yeah. it, it, usually it's Kyle Lowry usually it's a guy like Kyle Lowry even Pascal has done it before usually maybe one an, an OG or a norm or Freddie Fred might, they yeah. might they might catch, catch fire, fire and help and help, help the team out but in this case nobody was able to do that and what's actually what I think is actually really scary is when I look back at the game and just like use the use like the, the eye test on it you're saying 
you go back and you say, oh, the Raptors played very well the first quarter and a half. Mm-hmm. They were really dominant. You I'd know. say quarter and like three quarters. Because up until like the last three minutes, they were up 12, 13. Right, right, yeah. So uh, 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 except for the last three minutes of that first half, they were dominating, right? If you look at the box score, first quarter was 25-27, second quarter was 25-25. And we thought they dominated, yeah. right? So you look at that and you're like, wait, something's not really adding up here. So that that's kind of a scary feeling where – when you look back at the eye test, you see that the Raptors are dominating, and then you look at the box score, the Bucks are right there with us the whole time, the whole right? Time, so yeah. it's kind of it's kind of scary from from that perspective. But what I actually wanted to see, I was hoping I was telling you this before the game. I thought it was going to be a big game for Terrence Davis because mm-hmm. he's been able to thrive against in, in that 15 game winning streak. He's been that X factor, and I think he still will be that X factor alongside Norm in the playoffs. But I was like, this is a big game. This is where I want to see him go 10 to 15 points. He had 10 points, but I don't think he shot that well. So. I really hope that Terrence Davis would have that that game where we we were going to be like, oh, he had a very good game. Not the yeah. Matt Thomas, not the Chris Boucher's, but it, it, I guess it's a gift and a curse for the team that everybody plays together. So they struggle, they all struggle together. If they yeah. if they if they thrive, they all thrive together. Yeah, and Josh, I don't want to I don't want to make you think that we're pessimistic not or at all, <laughs> or not anything at all. like that. We off off the mic, we are the biggest Raptors fans, so it's just like. A, a bit, a slight bit of concern, if if even. So, how do you feel about the Holy Baca thing? Is this something that concerns you, or is it? Are you on sort of leaning towards Zayt's side, where it's like when Gasol's back, it'll be a lot easier for him? I mean, I mean, I'm not super concerned. Um, I mean, so I'll I'll just throw this in as well. It doesn't really. Um, I mean, it matters as much as you think it matters, I suppose. But there were obviously rumblings before the game as well that both Ibaka and Kyle Lowry had the flu or weren't feeling well. Mm. Um, so you might add that in there too, that maybe that's partly why they weren't on their game as well. Because Kyle Lowry also at times did not really look like himself. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the actual game, I mean, part of it's the Bucks' defense, right? I, I, there's a lot of this too I see where people are just, well, Ibaka went one for 10 from three. Okay, he did, but... Like this, this is part of the Bucks' plan. This isn't right. just because right. it's Ibaka's fault. Um, you know, the the Bucks want this. Um, they are the they're the team in the league that allows the most threes. They're dead last in you know um, um, keeping teams from shooting them, and yet they have the best defense in the league. So what does that tell you? I mean, it's, at some point, it's not just luck anymore. Like these yeah. are the shots they want. They're they're walling off the paint. Um, that's partly why Siakam had such a tough time, and almost all of his shots came from the arc. Um, I thought it was impressive that he actually made most of those shots. Um, and I think because that's something he's going to have to do as the number one option, right? You've got to find ways to score. Um, and he was, and he was great there. Um, but the Bucks, they, 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 you know, they just, uh, figure out what the risk is and they weigh it against, you know, the points you're maybe going to get from three versus the very easy high value shots you're going to get in the paint. Right. And right. they, they always decide to have the deep drop back scheme. They wall things off. Giannis is so long and right behind him, you've got Brooke Lopez, who's huge and, and a really good rim protector. Um, so, you know, when Ibaka's out there and he's got these wide-open shots and people are frustrated he's missing, yes, it's partly on him for missing them, but it's partly because the Bucks are looking at him saying, okay, can you make a couple? Right, and yeah. he couldn't, right. and so they were like, all right, you know what? Every time now, you're going to be wide open. Yeah. Um, and, and they didn't have a problem with that. So, I mean, I think part of what Ibaka's performance looked like was, was you know, by scheme. I don't think it was just because he just because he had an off night and he did yeah. but um you know I, I think that factors in and i just i'm not sure people were talking about that enough yeah i agree i agree on that right. front actually uh and another another thing that i was looking at too guys is um 
free throw count they shot 36 to the Raptors 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I was watching this game. It looked equally aggressive, equally physical. To have a 15 free throw discrepancy is beyond me uh, because I, I, I didn't think that it was one team way more aggressive than the other. If anything, I thought they were both going at each other pretty equally. So I felt that that free throw count should be a little bit higher. Another thing, too, is Raptors shot a franchise high, 52 threes. That's exactly where it's missing. They're not right. attacking the paint as much as the Bucks were probably, yeah. right? And that's yeah. where, and, and that's that speaks to Josh's point where he's saying, where he's saying, go ahead, Ibaka, shoot. Go ahead, Pascal, shoot, right? So that's where the discrepancy comes in. I don't think it's so much about refing or aggressiveness or whatever. It's I mean, the lack I of hate shooting. talking about refs, but they had three rookie refs refing like the top two teams in the East, and <laughs> there were a few plays in there where it was getting really messy. I don't know about you guys, but it was kind of like it was annoying to watch at times. It was like this is taking over the game. Like let's just play basketball. Mm. But it's know. interesting because the, the, I mean, they're like, oh sorry, go ahead. It's interesting because the, the points in the paint was only twenty eight to twenty two, mm. and the Bucks had twenty eight uh, to the Raptors twenty two. So it's not like the Bucks really dominated in the paint either. Per- personal fouls, it was twenty six to nineteen. Obviously, the Raptors are having twenty six, right? So mm. we talked about Freddie picking up five. Right, and he was very aggressive, so that could contribute to that. Lowry picked up one trying to go through George uh, yeah. George Hill's legs. I couldn't, like, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> now that you say he's sick, Josh, that kind of makes sense. I um, something must have been on? up. The, must have had here? something. I was like, yeah. I was watching. This, what's going on here? That's a weird choice. I think he was just really frustrated by the point. Yeah, yeah for exactly, sure. for sure. But uh, yeah, let's move over to uh, one of the the Raptors Eastern Conference foes, a team that. If you ask ESPN, we'll tell you is one of the biggest threats to the Milwaukee Bucks in the East. The other team being Boston. Nobody talks about Toronto in, in, in the U.S. media. So uh, they have. So and before I get started on this, I just want to apologize to everybody because I was high on Miami when they got Iguodala. They got Crowder. I was like, man, like they made some big moves. They're looking pretty scary. And I don't know if it's a little bit of a a slow uh, chemistry start, but in 2020, Miami has been in. 12 and 13 that's their record 12 and 13 2 and 5 since the trade deadline uh and of those five losses i want to i want to point to something and this is something that in my belief this is exactly the issue because this is a team that we know them to be a good defensive team they have defensive intensity guys like Jimmy Butler Bam Adebayo notorious for their defensive intensity they gave up 115 to Portland in a loss 116 to Utah in a loss And at that point, I was like, okay, this is kind of getting rough, but these are two good Western Conference teams. They give up 129 to the Hawks. Oh, no. They give up 125 to Cleveland. Damn. And then another 129 to Minnesota, all in losses. Jimmy Butler lost to his former team, Minnesota. That's bad. Yeah, D'Lo blocked him at the rim. There's there's an epic picture that they caught of his square hand right on the ball. Yeah. Uh, So Miami's, uh, needless to say, been struggling. Uh, the Iguodala pickup is not looking the greatest for them, and really the new pickups haven't haven't done too much. So, uh, Josh, I want to start with you. Uh, what's your sort of diagnosis on this? Why do you think Miami's sort of struggled a little bit since they they had a really hot start to the year? To be very honest, yeah, they did. Um, I mean, I think this is kind of funny. Like, you know how on on Twitter people will they do this way too often, but they call teams frauds if they're doing really well and then they blow it to like some team like Atlanta. Yeah. Um I think if you gotta pick a team in the East that's the most fraud like, it's gotta be Miami. 
Oh, and I was going to say I'm, Philly. Not my team. I was going to say Philly. <laughs> Damn. Well, yeah, but I mean, I feel like Philly shows what they are, you know? I mean, I, don't, I, I think they're very openly – they're very open in their struggles, whereas true. Miami – I mean, one of the things about Miami that – I, I mean, I've been looking at it all season. And I just, I, I, it was one of the weirdest stats until I think they just recently lost one. But they were like eight and zero in overtime games. Yes, and, oh. and then they won their last one. I think so. They might be like eight and one now. But they, they were in all these really close games with a bunch of teams and just barely pulling it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at, you know, in some level, that's impressive because you're winning close games. And on others, it's not because you can't close out these games. And then we've seen them. You know, some of the games you were talking about against these lesser teams, they had big leads and then they blew them. Um, and at the Timberwolves, I mean, the Miami's been a great team at home, and they lost to the Timberwolves at home, blew yeah. a lead there. I think like a twelve point lead or something in the yep, fourth quarter. Yeah, yep. there's some there's some stuff going on with this team that I just think I I I really do think that maybe this team just isn't as good as advertised. And I'm not saying that they aren't good. I think they're they're fine. I think they are a dangerous team potentially. They just yeah. have the pieces that. You know, they could be dangerous in a playoff series. Um, and they've had some injuries as well to Myers Leonard and Tyler Hero and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, but I, I kind of think this is more in line with this team actually is. I think they're better than this. Like, I don't think they're a team that would lose to Atlanta consistently. But at the same time, I think they're maybe more in the middle than what they've shown this season. Zay, what do you think? Come to the come to the rescue for your, your non-Raptors team. I'm going to say... I'm gonna hope it's chemistry issues because you add two two veterans like Iggy and um, Jay Crowder, I believe it is. Um, you take away essentially touches from Duncan, probably none, none still still been balling though. Tyler Hero was injured, and you take away touches from him. So it's you, you're trying to work two veteran guys who are very, I don't want to say demanding, but they're the guys who kind of command a locker room, especially Iguodala, a guy like Iguodala with his like championship experience and being a finals MVP, he knows what it takes to win. So having to work those guys into a team, especially with a team that depends on young stars, I think that could be a bit more difficult to do than than mm-hmm. I, than we think. So I'm hoping that's the that's that that's the issues right now. And I know Coach Spo will probably figure it out at some point later on in the season, in, in a month or two or whatever it may be. Um, but I hope I, I I don't think it's I don't think they're they were overachieving prior to. I, I guess Josh, that's kind of what you're alluding to—the a little bit overachieving throughout the season. I don't—I don't think that's the case because, although there are close games, but they just play a really good style of basketball that kind of wins games. A really good team style of basketball, and sure. I like that they don't rely on Jimmy Butler to take them wherever maybe he. They might rely on him in, in in closing moments, of course. But I mean, I have Jimmy Butler in fantasy, and he hasn't had a good fantasy season at all. Really, he's up and down sometimes. I got like Kendrick Nunn snaps. I got like Bam snaps. Someone else snaps. It's not always Jimmy Butler. It's not always rely on him. So I think Second, not really Jimmy Butler. I don't even think he's snapped that much this year. That's what I'm saying. He hasn't really snapped yeah. that much this year. He hasn't. It's not like he's averaging like 27 points a game and you know leading like you know you know. Like, so I, I'm hoping it's just you know a, a little bit of growing pains with the, working these new guys in and, and they and they start get the ball rolling kind of as it comes to closer to the playoff time. Um, but I mean. In in the East, it's kind of very unpredictable. You could go from being a first or second round exit or a you know conference, conference champion, final, right? Yeah. You don't know. You don't know what what's gonna go on this year. The only the only you know surefire conference finals um, team is I guess the Bucks is, yeah. is, is what everybody yeah. everybody believes. So I'm hoping it's just growing pains. Um, so we'll see as as things get closer to the playoffs how things will play out. Yeah, this this run uh, for Miami is kind of ironic. I don't know if you guys remember 
a few years back when they still had Josh Richardson, they had Deion Waiters, and they they had the best record in the NBA from like right. January first up until the end of the season, and they just missed the playoffs by a half game. Yeah, and that was like the wow, Miami's is like here. They're back oh, on the map now since LeBron and and the big three left. They're sort of uh, making that name for themselves, and they this that was like the up. The you know the uprising of Miami, and then now you're looking at them slumping towards the end of the season. It's a bit concerning because it's it's their defense that's looking real clumsy. Yeah, you know it, it, when when you're off and you're not making shots, it's one thing, but when your whole team defense is just not there night after night, it, it it's kind of a little bit of a concern in terms of like where's your defensive intensity out on a nightly basis? Is it chemistry issues? Is it guys that are are not happy with all the new guys coming in and taking minutes away from them is there a lack of motivation on the team and we're not going to know ever what the you know 100 percent issue is but to josh's point about them being frauds i don't necessarily disagree josh but i don't agree that they're the number one just because i still think philly is mm -hmm. but i sure. i definitely can see why people would say miami is because anytime you have young guys and and the core like kendrick not hero duncan robertson bam at with the exception of bam these guys yeah. are all rookies Right. Yeah, they're young. A couple of them were undrafted rookies. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, yeah. it's, it's their first year. Like, yeah, they had a great start in two months in, but the NBA is a game of it's a chess game. Every team is watching tape. Every team is preparing for you. When you're new to the you're new to the scene, you know it's easier to to get your buckets to to yeah. do your thing because you know you're flying under the radar. Scouts don't really know who you are. But once people adjust to you, that's when it shows, you know, who the great players are. That's why guys like Bam Adebayo are all-stars. You know, when people adjust their game, he's in his third year now, and he's just peaking every year. But a guy like Duncan, Tyler, and um, Kendrick. and Kendrick, we're going to make adjustments, and we're going to make you show us that you're a great player. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they could be a little fraudulent just because they had that really, really hot start. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, obviously, their home record has been incredible. They don't really lose many at home. But it's like Philly. Philly has the best home record in the NBA. They can't win on the and road. they cannot buy a single win on the road. Um, but speaking mm -hmm. of Philly, so uh, Ben Simmons is back injury. I don't know, if, Josh. I don't know if you know too too much about that. If you want to educate us and our listeners a little bit about that one, uh, but if not, then I have a little bit of a thing here. But I want to know if you like are comfortable with it because I'm trying to fully understand this injury because I know it was a back injury and then he was gonna come back and then he had some spasms and then he got an X-ray and it's a lot worse than we thought it was. I don't know if you, you're familiar with that injury. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was kind of like I'm on the outside looking in. Like, I haven't looked into it too much. But basically, I mean, it's, it's what you're saying, right? Like, he has some he has some back issues, and he was out um, a game prior to the game he came back in and got hurt in. Yeah. And he should have stayed out, but he the team allowed him to play. He went in, he played, he hurt himself. Um, what a shock! Uh, like, like Philadelphia. Five I mean, you look at Philadelphia. Two. Yeah, you look at, and then he came back and tried to play again, right? And then, like, you know, he, then he was taken out again, and that was it. Um, I mean, Philad, and then he, yeah, he had the the X rays and stuff, and it, it wasn't looking good. And there was, I saw a tweet actually from his sister. Yeah, I saw would, that too. I saw that too. Yeah, yeah, she was kind of upset that people were were coming at him about you know whatever not playing or something, which is always dumb because you know players are hurt, they're hurt. Um, but, but yeah, and it sounds like he was pretty upset about it because, you know, it, it's a, it could be a potentially season ending injury. And if that's For the sure. case, well, then you can just rule Philly out of making any serious noise in the playoffs. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, that really sucks. But yeah, I mean, I, like 
the I think the most upsetting thing here, because Embiid obviously just got injured too with the shoulder. Oh, yeah. Um, is that it's just Philadelphia's history with this stuff. Like they just I mean, allowing Simmons to play in that game and then him getting hurt and then him trying to come back in and then allowing it to happen. Like they're just there's such a long list of things you can look at. And you talk to any Philly fan who's a diehard and they can tell you all these different things that have happened where the franchise has allowed or even, you know, some would say pushed. I'm not going to like say, you know, accuse anyone of anything. Right. But in in some manner, these players were on the floor and uh, man and they ended up getting hurt. And, you know, it just happens over and over. Like people say Philly's cursed because they've just had so many injuries. They've had a lot of rookies even that have gotten injured. Um, oh, you know, Embiid was, was awful for yeah. a bit. Yeah, I mean, Simmons was injured, Embiid was injured, Zaire Smith was injured. Like, Fultz, all these people were injured. Fultz was injured. Like, all these players. And, uh, you know, it, it just – there's so many circumstances. And you see things like Ben Simmons, which just happened. And at some point, you know, you kind of look at it and say, okay, well, like, uh, what level of blame goes to the organization here? Because, it, you know, at, at some point – there's got to be some. So it's just I think that's like a more concerning thing when you're looking at like the long term. But in terms of like on court stuff. Yeah. I mean, if Simmons is done and he very well could be for the season and um, if he needs to be, I sure hope they they take that route and say, OK, we need you have time to rest and heal up. Um, but if that's the case, yeah, I mean, Philly's no longer the serious threat that uh, we thought they were. Yeah, and I saw something on Twitter today. It was like I sent this to you, Zaid, but worst teams this season by net rating, <laughs> ignoring garbage time. Uh, last is the Warriors, then the Cavs, then the Hawks, then the Hornets, then the 76ers with both Ben Simmons and Embiid off the floor, mm. and then the Knicks. So the, without those two guys in the lineup, they are bottom five in net rating, so they are not going to be doing too well. Uh, well. What do you expect? I mean – I'm, what do you mean? What do you? You still have Al Horford. You have Josh Richardson. You, you have a good enough team that you should not be losing all these games. That you shouldn't no, be that bad. There's zero chance. They have a. I think they have a good enough supporting cast to get by. No, it's it's too late in the season to change up that whole. Like your offense goes through Joel Embiid. Oh, and, I and I think like their biggest mistake came in the off season. I think that they started out? the season off on the wrong foot. Uh, not just giving up Jimmy Butler to get Tobias Harris, but also the Al Horford signing to me was like. Buddy, we need to clear the paint. Now you're gonna get me a four, a big guy, a, a five, a, a legit a five. Forward? Like, I need to clear the paint for my best player, and you're gonna give me another big man. I'm kind of upset they're injured though, because I really want to see. I was hoping, kind of, I don't know. I was hoping this would be the last year of either. I was hoping it was the last year of the trio of Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Brett Brown. One of them had to go. I don't know who they're gonna get rid of. Yeah, but now that. If they if it comes to the case where they're both injured and they're both not gonna play in the playoffs, it's like can you really get rid of Brett Brown at this point because you didn't have them for yeah. the playoffs? It's yeah. you know it gets tough to do that. Josh, I want to ask you uh, your opinion on the Horford the Horford pickup and how that's panned out for them. But before we get into that, I just want to break it down for you guys. So from from last year to this year, he's down from 14 to 12 points a game. He's down uh he where was it? I just saw it. he was down in his two point field goals, he's down from sixty to fifty one percent. Three pointers, he's down from thirty six to thirty two percent. All in all field goals, he's down from fifty four to forty four percent. That's a ten percent difference in a Dang. year. In a year. Well talk about a cliff. He had a nasty contract. Talk about a cliff. This guy took a running start at this cliff. Yeah. Like <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but before I get into too much, uh Josh, what do you think of this whole Al Horford thing, do you think that this pickup um, sort of 
I, you know what? Just tell me what you think about it before before we get into the discussion. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that would just simply say Horford's washed and kind of leave it at that. But um, as is with most things, I think it's more complicated. Right. Um, I mean, so Horford was really good last year, and he's been really good most of his career. And people talk about him being underrated, and I think he was for long portions. Um I think what's going on here is, so first of all, I've heard Jack, Jackie McMullen on multiple occasions say that Horford is dealing with some injuries that he just hasn't, he's not going to talk about, that he has no interest in talking about, and he's just dealing with on his own, and that that might be affecting him. Um, you know, those are the type of things that that could be happening to anybody at any time, and it's hard to know if exactly that's true or not. Uh, and it could be something that he's dealing with. So, you know, there's a caveat, something just to keep in the back of your mind there when watching him. Because, I mean, sometimes he's just, I mean, he's, it's not like he's just missing shots. It's like he's way off. Like he's yeah. hitting just backboard and stuff. And you're like, okay, this guy's not that bad. He can't be washed that quickly. Um, so there's things like that. And then uh, I also think, A, he's frustrated because he left Boston um, that had all this internal stuff going on with Kyrie last season. And, you know, I think that's a big part of the reason he left and that's been documented. And then he winds up on a team that also has a bunch of stuff going on internally um, and, and struggles there. And then on top of that, I think just on the floor, the way they used him, his role, I think he's disappointed with. I don't think he's um, happy with what he's being asked to do. I think he feels like he's being limited I mean, some of the best parts of his game, he's not using a lot. I mean, he's a great passer. Like, Horford's a fantastic passer. And he's just not being put in a lot of situations where he's utilizing that anymore. Um, most of the time, he's kind of being used as a spacer and, and just being asked to be out around the, around the arc and do, and do damage that way. And he just, he, I think he knows he can do so much more um, that that's disappointing. And obviously, the losses rack up. You add that on top of it. Um, I think I think at times he's been disinterested. So I think all of that stuff plays into why he's been so so bad this season. I'm not yeah. so I feel like it's hard to to figure out exactly how much of it is him actually aging and and um slowly you know getting yeah. uh, a little yeah. worse as he gets older. Yeah. So I'll, I'll bet some of it is watching Boston and seeing how they're missing him. <laughs> they're yeah. missing him but they're doing so well and how much better they are than Philly. Uh there's yeah. got to be a little bit of regret there. I don't know what his falling out with Boston was, but uh, he's exactly the player that they're missing, and I know he would love to be back there right now. He put in some some good years with Boston, so uh, I'm sure of it. But one more thing I, I saw on Twitter today was a quote from Glenn Robinson III, who was just picked up by the Sixers at the trade deadline. It says, when you come here and your role is not really explained or you don't know what's going on with the trade, I don't really understand it. So from that's a very concerning quote from what's going on internally. This is a guy who was brought in not even 10 days ago, and he has no idea what's going on. You know, he has no idea why he's brought in. Yeah, like I was going to – I'll ask you guys, like, because I, I don't even know the answer to this question, but what do you think Philly's identity is as a team right now? I don't know. Like they were – to me, before the season had all started, it was the team with the biggest starting five. So they were they're big, they were yeah. the big boys in the conference. You know, Josh Richardson starting at your guard, he's not a small dude. That's and that's five. the smallest guy in your yeah. lineup, right? You got Ben Simmons, Tobias, uh, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Al Horford. So you're looking at massive size. And then obviously you would think some toughness too. But as the season has gone by, I don't know that there is toughness. And there's a lot of role ambigu ambiguity with like their leaders between like Ben and Joel and whose team is it. And it really – like I know that they say it doesn't matter, but on the court it's so visible. Yeah. So when you ask me about it, that's a tricky question because I don't even know – 
that they have an identity anymore. They haven't like established they, anything. They're not like a running gun team. They had one in the beginning of the year before the season started, but now it's just it's all over the place. It's 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 really messy. Yeah. And the fans are booing and and all the and like Brett Brown issues and there's just a lot of messy things happening in Philly. Uh, Philly could, uh, like we were saying earlier, is they like with this conference and the way it's structured, it, you can easily find this team being a first round exit. Like I was looking at the the playoff picture, if the playoffs were to start today, Philly and Miami are in, are the first round matchup, and Philly's in fifth. So by the end of the year, if they drop down to six, they can go up against Boston in the first round. Which I'm not. They they can never be. I don't think that they can they, take they Boston last year. No. I don't, yeah, exactly. Well, they did last year. They did last year, but yeah. during the regular season, they couldn't at least. But, but uh, yeah, very different team last year. They have Kemba now. They have guys who are, you know, Jason Tatum's coming to his own. And I want to just take a second to shout him out. He's definitely going to get the player of the month, averaging better than 30, uh, 50 some odd. I think it was like 56 field goal, 51 from three. Like, he's just been he's on balling. a tear. Uh, so, shout out to him. I really like his game. And, and Jay Brown, I, I love watching Boston play, but I hate how good they are. And they actually like from a Raptors fan perspective, I'm more scared of them than than Milwaukee in a, in a seven game. But that's a different discussion for a different day. Let's uh, let's switch conferences, boys, because the East is uh, the East is is a bit uh, overdone at this point. So let's talk some Houston Rockets. So Zade, small uh, ball, let's walk us through it, man. It works, bro. It works for now. For for uh, it works in the regular season when there's teams that. Don't have the time to figure out how to exploit it, how to, you know, whether it's how to guard against it. I mean, there's like the whole, they played two games against Utah and they put, well, I think both times they put Gobert on Russell Westbrook. And that's like an automatic mismatch just because of the speed, the agility. Yeah. Like, I mean, and he let him shoot and he let him, it's not like Gobert let him shoot from three. He was letting him shoot from mid range. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's a problem, right? And yeah. like, not, Russell isn't, isn't a good shooter, but. Usually, the, he, he at one point his he's little, got a mid range. He's he got had, an elbow jumper. At, at one point, he had that really good pull up elbow jumper um, off the board. You yeah, know, I was pull up say, mid range. He, he uses the bank pretty right. Pretty so, good. so I mean, he can shoot from mid range. So, when you have complications like that and you have mismatches like that, the small ball is going to work. And then, and the the way they've they've, it's kind of interesting because instead of them playing to team size, they're forcing teams to play down to their size because they can't have a big man. And when you have a team like Utah, you have a team like like Denver, you have a team like Lakers, where their their big men are key players, mm. right? They're key. They're they're big men. If if not the if the, if they're not the number one option, they're at least the number two option, mm. right? Or are in the case of Utah, he's a huge um, defensive anchor for them. He's the defensive guy on that team. So when you go up against teams where their their five men are very very important, it tends to work because their five men are stuck guarding Russell Westbrook. Which I kind of understand. I kind of see. I want to see how, you know, the five men would do against a PJ or a guy like that's that's a three and D guy more mm-hmm. so, right? Um, Covington, Covington, or you know, they got um, Austin Rivers, I guess, but he's no, so he's too guard. quick for for a big man. Um, Demari Carroll, yeah, I, I think he went there, right? So uh, <laughs> Uncle Jeff, yeah. Uncle Jeff Green, Uncle Jeff Green, right? Exactly. So you want to see? You want to ideally put maybe a big man against a, a less athletic, I guess, or the the least athletic person on on right. the floor. Um, but the way they're playing, they're playing fast. They're playing well together. Um, I still want to see more games of Russell Westbrook and James Harden dominating. I don't want to see Russ with 40 and then James Harden with 19. Like, I kind of want to see them work together in a way. I have something for you. Yeah. So I want to see that being consistent. I want to see that keep going. I know they've done it a couple of times where they played well together, but I want to see them 
playing well consistently. Yeah. And, uh, Josh, before we go over to you, I just want to say to your point, uh, so they're on a five-game winning streak. They're 5-1 yeah. and one since the trade deadline, since they gave away Clint Capella. Yep. And in that streak, Russ is averaging 32 off 56%. Harden's averaging 35 off 51%. There you go. Uh, on the season, they're averaging a combined 62.5. Which is confusing a little bit. 27 and change and 35 and change. But the combined don't get fooled because one person will drop 50, the other person will drop No, but it's 19. combined averages. Combined averages, not the points. To no, no, together. it's the okay. combined points okay. per game. Okay. 62.5 points a game from okay. the two of them. 35 from That's Harden, right. 27 from Russ. Yeah. And then uh, to give you guys a bit of an all-time list, Shaq and Kobe, 57.2. KD and Curry, 53.3. LeBron and D-Wade and LeBron and AD tied at 52.2. KD and Russ, 51.3. Yao and T-Mac, 49.6. So they are five points per game better than Shaq and Kobe Word. from 2000, right? So, Slower I mean, game, definitely a different game. And, yeah. and Kobe and Shaq had a different uh, effect on the game than, than Russ and Harden do now. But, I mean, we all mocked it. Yeah. But it's looking to, to work right now. But, Josh, I want to hear from you. What does this mean for... The NBA, or not even the NBA, the sport of basketball. What does this mean for the big men? Uh, it depends entirely on how they do, I guess. Um, I mean, if they get in, like, if it's working right now for sure. And like you said, it's the regular season. And um, I think some of this is catching teams off guard for sure. Um, I mean, if they get into the playoffs and they flame out in round two or something and they lose pretty badly, like, you know, 4-1 or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't think – I think everybody looks at it and goes, well, you didn't have a Clint Capella. You didn't have a real <laughs> rim protector, and, it, you know, that sucks for you, and it didn't work. Yeah. Um, because yeah. the Rockets, like, they're all in, right? Like, Maury is all in. This is it. He, this, is the, this is the big problem with the Rockets. They have one way to play, and unlike a bunch of other teams, like, for example, um, I know you guys watch the Raptors all the time. So, like, the Raptors, they can adjust in a ton of different ways because they have the personnel to do it. Yeah. Um, the Rockets, they can't do that. They, they have to play one way because they've, they've bet everything on it. And maybe it will work because they have two uh, top ten players in, in Westbrook and Harden. Um, but if it doesn't work, I mean, they just they, they can't adjust to anything else. They have to, they have to go this way, and they have to impose their will. They have to have the right pacing. Everything has to go right for them. Um, they, and, and the problem is, like you've mentioned, that in the Western Conference, there are a lot of uh, star big men or teams that rely on things like like even the Clippers. You don't think about the Clippers necessarily as having like you know the the most in, uh, fantastic big men in terms of just um, you know star power, but they're a team that relies a lot on putback points, a lot on rebounding stuff yeah. that you know they're just on the glass. They aren't a fast paced team, um, and 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 things like that. Like those are the things that the Rockets are going to have to contend with, and I think that's when you start to get a little nervous about whether or not this is going to work. If it does work. I think that means, you know, some dangerous things, some bad things for uh, the idea of the big men going forward. Um, yeah, but I just, I'm not convinced. I don't. I think a lot of people aren't convinced uh, to this point, fairly so. But uh, I mean, a lot of this, the, the win streak recently has been just because Westbrook has adjusted how he's been playing, and and it's worked so well. I mean, yeah. I, I think everyone kind of saw like that this was the move to make. I mean, we, I think most people saw it before the season that. Westbrook's not a good three-point shooter. He's not going to fit into Mori Ball in terms of spacing the floor and letting Harden work while he stands on the side because he's also not a good off-ball player. He has to be attacking pain constantly, and we've seen his usage percentage go up. We've seen him start to take less threes. He's driving more, and all of a sudden, the Rockets are winning. 
Um, what a shock, right? Um, so oh, yeah, we were talking I mean, about this a few I mean, episodes ago. We're like, everyone in in the world knew that Russ needed to stop shooting, other than Russ. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a while. Um, and I guess the only other thing was, so I think the one thing with no Capella there and, and no traditional big man, um, in, in terms of Russ's case now, is at least that, um, you know, it, it opens up the paint for him more. Like there's no clog down there. Um, he's able to, he's able to use more runway to get to the rim. So I think that's helped him as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think everything hinges on the playoffs for this team, but like right now they're rolling and I think it will be important for them to have, uh, as best a, a record as they can in terms of getting home court advantage too. So we'll see how it goes, but uh, I'm, I'm count me in the, uh, the group of people who are unconvinced that the big man is going to die because of the Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> so as it stands right now, they're on a collision course with the Lakers in the second round at the one four. Uh, you got the Lakers in that one. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, the I Lakers like have them. their, their own fair share of issues too. I know that you said that, the Rockets yeah. are sort of built a certain way. The Lakers are also built a certain way. Like, there's no – outside of AD and LeBron, I don't know who's going to take over a game in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a big concern. I mean, they should play Caruso more, tell you that. More ball yeah. Mamba. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, and, and and all jokes aside, that's actually something that they, they've they been talking about more now. They're playing him a little bit more, giving him Rondo's – because Rondo's just been atrocious for the team. Like, it's just not a good fit having Rondo on the court with LeBron with that roster. Like, it's not working out. And I think Caruso brings the energy, makes guys want to do crazy things. Like, like when Caruso goes up for a dunk, everyone's, like, jumping in midair behind him. You know, like, it just gets everybody going. He He's hustle. He's he hard. Motivates he's the team. athletic. He's a defender. He's a very underrated athlete. Bro, Holy he is man. athletic, man. This guy gets up, and then he does the thing with the headband where yeah. he, like, does his little <laughs> celly with the headband. It's... It's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. But yeah, in that in that second round, you're gonna go Lakers. I don't know, man. I, the Lakers have uh, the Bulls. Lakers. Have, I I would like to see Markeith maybe see if he can kind of get some like a role there where he's a, like a 12 to 14 point point per game guy. Because I I think they need a solid third option. They're so top heavy, and there's so many times I'm uh, like they play at 10:30 Eastern, so I'm in bed by like 11:30. <laughs> um, so I'm checking the box score, and it's like 35 LeBron, like 31 AD, and then like 12 KCP, 7, 8, 6. Like, yeah. it's very, very top-heavy. And if, I mean, LeBron went down the other day with his groin, and right. I, my heart stopped. I'm like, oh, crap. There you know, goes. he's he's 35 years old. Anything can happen. If he goes down, then what? Yeah. They're doomed. If, yep. if it's just AD and no LeBron, they're actually doomed. They can lose in the first round. It's the Pelicans like, all over again, pretty much. It, it, it's it's rough, and I don't know if it's a LeBron thing, because every year now we're getting to the point where it's like, oh, LeBron needs teammates who can do, who can do, who can do, who can do, and it's like, like he had teammates last year who could have done, but then they got traded for guys who just spot up for shooting. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, is it a LeBron thing? I don't know, but uh, there's still uh, there's still some uncertainty. Honestly, the West is a lot weaker than than a lot of like I know like head to head, it's a lot. Better to watch a like a Portland game rather than like a, a Hawks game, for example. Yeah, the East and West, mm-hmm. the talent is different in that sense. But man, the top teams in the West against the top teams in the East, like there's a lot of teams in the East that are more polished and poised than than a lot of these teams in the West. Like when you look at the top bit, like Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto, like you see longevity, you see consistency. I don't even see that with the Clippers. Because you don't, don't see depth. In the, I don't see in that the with Western like even Denver's team, second. Like Denver, Denver's second. Like, yeah, Denver's that team that's like 
they were like the DeRozan Raptors. You know, we yeah. in the first second in the conference, yeah, you're really good, but like nobody really fears them. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Utah's in fourth, fifth. We're going to talk about Utah in a second. That They're not doing too hot right now. So, I don't know. Uh, where, where do you stand on that, Josh, in terms of, like, top in the East versus top in the West? Do you, do you see where I'm coming from, or do you kind of uh, disagree there? Yeah, no, I 100%. I agree with you. I mean, um, this is, it's because this has been the narrative over the past few seasons, right? And I guess some people – I mean, you can still argue that overall that the Western Conference is the tougher conference. Um, but in terms of the top – yeah, I would say that the East is is more top heavy. I mean, the Bucks are the best team in the league right now. Right. Um, you, just, you just can't argue that they are the best team. They're destroying everybody. They have the best player, in my opinion, in the world. Um, and then you've got the Raptors, who are overachieved, I think, for a lot of people this season, um, and yet are still a defensive force. Um, they can defend with the best of them. Um, you know, uh, Boston has been great on both ends. Tatum is having his coming out party the last uh, month or so. Um, and uh, all these teams, and, like, you know, if uh, hopefully Oladipo eventually makes his full recovery, it might take a year or so, but hopefully eventually he does, and, and Indiana will be potent again because they were a good yeah. team as well. Um, they, they had a good offseason too with uh, TJ Warren yeah. and uh, yeah. and Brogdon. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, and part of the – killing it. Yeah, like part of their recent losing streak is just because they've been trying to reintegrate Oladipo, and he's it's going to sure. take a while for him to get back to form. Um, yeah. But yeah, a lot of these teams are. I mean, and Philadelphia too, obviously. Like they 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 have underachieved for sure, but they have the talent, um, you know. And then so you have a couple of the teams in the West, the top teams that are for sure potent, like the Lakers are great. The Lakers are fantastic, um, and then the Clippers, which they have some weird Philly like stuff going on there too, but they're also yeah. very talented. Um, and you've got you've got a couple teams like that, and then after it, it really falls off, and and just in terms of overall, um, you know, a level of how scared would you be of this team in the playoffs? So I would yeah. say that uh, the top Eastern Conference teams are are probably uh, better than the top Western Conference teams for sure. Yeah, Zade, what do you uh, what do you think of? I don't know if you saw this play, but uh, Kawhi is coming down the fast break. He mm-hmm. Sends an outlet pass to Landry Shamit. Yeah, goes straight yeah, out of bounds because yeah. Landry's running to the corner. And then, and then we, he like uh, looks at him and in he between in there. I think like, something like that. Yeah, yeah he yeah. starts going off, yeah. man. He's Kawhi frustrated. Leonard. He's frustrated apparently. Kawhi Leonard went off. Kawhi Leonard didn't even go off of the parade. <laughs> he was drinking. He was. He had a ring. Like they won. The season was over. Yeah. People were chanting five more years. One more year. One more two year. More years. Give us one. Doesn't matter. Two yeah. more months. It doesn't matter. This guy was not phased. But yeah. you're gonna tell me one time where Landry Shamet goes to the corner, set it, cutting to the basket, he's just gonna lose his mind on the court. That's gotta mean something, buddy. And they- I, I, I don't like when when media does this and they nitpick and oh, what does this mean? What's that? Yeah. But this has got to mean something, brother. Like I don't know. I've never seen Kawhi like this before, and off such a like it's like the third quarter of a regular season game. Yeah. Like he doesn't get phased like this in the playoffs. Winning what cures winning cures all. So last year he was he was winning, right? There's nothing to complain about. They they lost one game and then at the beginning of the playoffs against Orlando, and then ever since then they started kind of rolling and 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 and, and making their market. Obviously the going down two zero to yeah. the Bucks, but other than that they were kind of rolling and nothing to be frustrated about. But I think the frustration with the Clippers just is just it just looks like a mess. Like chemistry wise, it looks like. You know, you already know Montrez and Lou have that chemistry. You know, PG's a great individual player. You know, 
Kawhi Leonard's a great individual player, but they haven't been able to kind of make that work altogether. And they haven't really had much of a chance to make it work altogether because there's people in and out of the lineup. There's people with different roles from game to game. So if I'm Kawhi, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a little frustrated because we still it's this latter or the second half of the season, and we still don't know how to play together. Like that's Bro, a major I, issue. You know, they're five and zero and fully healthy. That's what I'm saying. Five, like, five games, man. They've only had five games fully. Five healthy. Five games. It were what fifty five games deep, fifty fifty almost sixty games deep now, right? So <laughs> oh so my God. so when you when you play with the team you're supposed to play with so little, and you're. And I'm sure Kawhi's expectations now, especially coming off last season, like the Raptors were rolling at this time of the year, right? Yeah. yeah. You're you're getting ready for the playoffs. This is the this is the second half of the season, right? This, this is, is when we when they got Marcus All. Exactly, right? So around this time. So this is this is when you're supposed to be gearing up for the playoffs. Everything you do now is going to feed your momentum into the playoffs. So if you're blowing fast break passes or, you know, if, if things aren't working out for you in the game, yeah, you might lose your cool a little bit, and I guess it happened to Kawhi, even the person that we thought was emotionless, right? So, you know, I think it's just a chemistry issue. They still haven't figured figured it out. Doc Rivers hasn't really had much of a chance to actually get his guys to play a, a you know a full team game more than five times. So, right. when you when when with that lack of of, of familiarity and a lack of chemistry, you're uh, an easy fast break pass that gets blown that's gonna probably set you off it, yeah. it, it just becomes a buildup of everything i have two things to say about this situation before i move it over to josh so the first thing is i think that a lot of people around the league around the nba and the media fans especially because a lot of fans don't really like i think there's tiers of fans there's the fans that like know basketball and then there's the fans that like the entertainment of basketball right so like there's if I if I'm talking to somebody on the entertainment whatever it, it's a very different discussion. So I think that the Raptors are very 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 underrated in terms of basketball IQ. Oh, yeah. And I sure. think that that is something that yes was a the effect of a Danny Green on the team, the effect of getting Gasol, the effect of Kawhi having championship guys on the team. Danny Green won a ring. Right, right. You yeah. may, Zayn made a face on me, Josh. He's like, come on, man, Danny Green. Bro, obviously, Nick Nurse, da- man. Danny, I'm Danny sure has like the, the finals record for most threes. Like, he's been there. I wouldn't say he's known for IQ, but yeah, yeah he's, he's been there. He's there. You know, he, he'll help with the IQ. He's a great defender. Sure. Uh, uh, so they say. Yeah. So, uh, so having him, having Kawhi, having Gasol, having Serge, having Kyle in the locker room, especially around a lot of guys like Norm, uh, Pascal, OG, Freddie, yeah. Matt Thomas. I don't want to yeah. say him, but Pat McCaw. Oh. You know, all these young guys that needed that leadership and that veteran, the presence in the locker room. So the Raptors were a lot, in my opinion, a lot smarter, a lot more they were IQ gifted <laughs> basketball-wise in terms of uh, in comparison to the Clippers. Mm. So I think that's uh, a part of Kawhi's frustration. But I have a major conspiracy theory. I have a conspiracy that Kawhi never wanted to leave Toronto. <laughs> Kawhi wanted to stay in Toronto, and Uncle Dennis came in and said, "You think you you're going to stay in Toronto, way. buddy? <laughs> We're from Compton, or no, he's not even from Compton. We're from San Diego, San Diego, from Cali. We're going back to LA. We're going to run it." And I honestly don't ask me why. I firmly believe he would have or wanted to stay. Yeah. And now he's looking. and He's like, "Damn, should have stayed." <laughs> Damn, I did all this for playoff Pete. Playoff Pete, Paul George, this guy, this, oh, man. Paul George is a whole different discussion. But, Josh, do you make much of this Kawhi uh, snapping at 
Landry slash Montrez, or is this just a, a, a forget about it kind of moment? Um, could be both. Um, honestly, I, I think I think in the moment for sure, it, it definitely exacerbates what's been going on within the team, and it's been obviously well documented. There's been a few uh, big pieces come out about what's going on within the Laker or within the Clippers locker room. Um, there obviously was that Harold interview where he said some stuff that Doc Rivers was upset about because he thought he should have said it behind the scenes. Um, some ego stuff going on, whatever. Uh, maybe some players aren't super happy with the load management. Paul George has been hurt a lot of the season as well. Guys in and out of the lineup, like you said, they haven't played a lot together. Um, I think the IQ thing is definitely, definitely a part of it. Um, I, you know, it, it just, they're different teams, you know, and like, you swap a team like that and you put a team together, it it just, it doesn't work. It's not easy, right? Like, I mean, the Raptors, they basically brought in Kawhi and Danny Green and they moved out uh, DeMar and, and Pirtle. Um, and yeah, it was a, it was a addition that needed uh, integration. Danny Green fit right in because he just fit in the system. He's a very good system player. Um, but it, it takes time to, to, you know, adjust to a superstar and the Raptors have one, have one superstar, and um, they spent a lot of the season figuring that out. And um, some of these problems were, were the same. They didn't get the same amount of coverage because they're not in LA and they're in Toronto by national media. Um, so all of that was kind of going on. But you do that with the Clippers, and you add a guy like Paul George, who is definitely more highly considered than um, you know a guy like Pascal Siakam or Kyle Lowry. And I think that. Is, is part of this because you're trying to integrate two of those guys rather than one, and neither of them have been on the floor that much. Um, it doesn't help that the Raptors were awesome when Kawhi wasn't playing. Like, they won most of those games. 17-5. Um, yeah, the Clippers, not so much. They've had a bit more of a tumultuous uh, time playing that way. Just different different identities as teams as well. Like, the Raptors last season, uh, similar to this season, except... Um, Kawhi definitely helped with the uh, the offense, but they were a defensive-minded team. Mm-hmm. Um, and people talked a lot about how good the Clippers were going to be defensively this season. That has yet to show itself. I mean, they are a right. good defensive team, but they have not shown to be the level of defensive team that the Raptors were last season, especially yeah. when they were all together and locked in. Um, I, I don't think like if, I don't think if they played right now that the Clippers um, would be able to handle the Bucks nearly as well as the Raptors have. So I think really it's just these two different situations. And, I mean, Kawhi hopped from one to the other very quickly. I mean, in the past, you know, three years, he's been in three different organizations. I just think it's a lot. And because that success isn't there when he's had it so recently, it can be frustrating. And there's just a lot going on. So I I think, though, like, come the playoffs, like you're saying, like, I don't – I'm not sure – I mean, Kawhi is that kind of guy, right? Once the playoffs come, he laces them up. He can't count them out. Yeah, it's a different story. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and I mean, I think those guys, to some extent, will will come together for sure. Um, they just they they have a lot of talent, but yeah, I I, I really think yeah. it's. I think once you get to that point, nobody will be talking about this. Yeah. Cool. Um, before we uh, wrap it up, let's talk a little bit about the Utah Jazz. So, uh, there's some tor- turmoil down in Utah. Uh, with Conley is back and healthy. He's been back for a little bit, but. Um, there's been some issues because they struggle with Conley in the lineup, but without him in the lineup, they uh, they actually do pretty well. So he missed 
uh, 20 games between December 2nd and January 18th. They were 16-4. and four. They were the hottest team in basketball at that time. It was like uh, around the new year, like mid-January. Yeah. They were they were peaking. Since then, since Conley's return, they are 8-9. and nine. They're, They had a five-game losing streak and are now on another four-game losing streak. So they win four, lose five, win four, lose four kind of thing. So... I don't know what's going on. A couple of days ago, they moved Royce uh, to the starting lineup because they needed defense. Uh, but then they said, we're going to bench Conley. And then an hour later, it's, well, no, we're actually going to bench Ingles. Joe Ingles and keep Conley in the lineup. And then I was listening to a podcast. Actually, Joe Ingles did a bit of a podcast tour this year. He did two. And uh, and he was talking about um, sort of playing as a starter versus coming off the bench. It's and the adjustment for him to come off the bench, has, it's been difficult for him yeah. um, to make that adjustment and he's a very very effective shooter he's shooting over like over 50 percent and like i don't quote me on this but it was like after his he started out a little bit weak like the first like 10 15 years mm-hmm. but since then he'd been shooting like 50 percent from three which is like something that happens every year apparently he was saying he's like people disrespect me but i'm always shooting over 50 percent <laughs> uh so there's a lot of issues right now in utah because we know what they can be when they have, you know, that lineup going, that 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 groove going. Um, do you see any issues like this leading into the the playoffs, Josh? Or is this something that uh, that they're gonna fix up in time? Just because they have a lot of talent, man. That team has a lot of talent. They do. I don't know. The Conley thing is kind of weird for me, man. I'm not really entirely sure what's going on there. Like in terms of, I I just I've never seen anyone drop off entirely like this. And some of it's got to be confidence. Um, but he hasn't obviously fit the team as well as I think most people thought they would. I was definitely high on the Jazz before the season. Um, and, um, I mean, like, part of it is just the way that these guys mesh together. I mean, like, Conley was so used to, like, doing pick and roll with Marc Gasol, and he could get Gasol in these in these particular spots that Gasol was able to create stuff from, and he's, it's a little higher, and he'll do the exact same thing, but he does it for Rudy Gobert, and then... Rudy Gobert doesn't have the same skill set as like uh, Marcus Saul, so he all of a sudden can't do anything from that spot, and and then that possession is stuck. Like there's a lot of stuff that's happened like that, and it's just built outwards from there that uh, it's just sort of collapsed inwards. And talking about identity, like we have with some of these other teams, I like I'm pretty sure Utah came into this season with the idea that we're going to be a good defensive team if nothing else. We have Rudy Gobert, who's a fantastic defender. Um, Joe Ingles is a great defender. Royce O'Neal is a great defender. Um, Mike Conley has been a good defender in his career, stuff like this. Um, and it just it hasn't worked out that way. And some of it is because I think they've struggled so much to figure out what they're doing offensively that on the other end they they become disinterested. Like I really think that's happened with Gobert for sure, um, partly because he's not getting the ball in spots that allow him to do some stuff offensively. And if he's not ever getting that, I mean, it's hard to give everything on defense uh, when when, you're, when that's not happening, and and other players on your, on your team are slouching on defense as well. So that's become an issue. All of a sudden, Donovan Mitchell is back to just being the guy who has to score every point every night because yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Conley's not able to help him out there, which uh, really sucks for him. Um, and they're relying too much on him again. And I, I don't know. I mean, like they've they've the after the All-Star break, I think they've gone 0-4, right? And they've all been games at home, I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah. Uh, which is just, I mean, it's just really bad, man. So, I mean, some, I, some of it is, is really weird. The Conley thing's strange to me. I think it would have been interesting to see what the, the move would have been if they had, uh, had Conley go to the bench. I would have liked to have seen what would have come from that, but it sounds like, uh, the organization wasn't interested in Quinn Snyder's decision to do that because, you know, they paid a lot of money to bring Conley, and yeah. there's, I'm sure I'm sure there's also a belief in Conley that he will figure it out. But we are pretty deep into the season now, so uh, it's getting harder and harder to believe in the Utah Jazz. It's just such a stupid mentality that like, oh, we paid so much money for this individual, therefore they have to play. It's like, like. Bad purchases happen all the time. Like if I if I bought a pair of shoes that ripped like three days later, I'm not just gonna wear them to ball runs because I paid for them. Like there's there's certain things that work and there's th- certain things that don't work. This man has shown you that for years now he understands the game of basketball, that he knows how to put your team in a position to win. Before before the Utah Jazz had their name, now what were they? They were in that transition period after. Um, after Jerry Sloan, after D. Will, after Carlos Boozer, like yeah. there was that, there was a, a period in time where Utah was completely irrelevant. It was like Alec Burks running the show, you know what I mean? Like, and then now it's Quinn Snyder comes in and he changes the culture, and then he draft Donovan Mitchell. You get Gobert in the system, so now you have a system, and, and Quinn Snyder is is a proven coach, and then he's telling you, look, look at the sample size. Like, we're 16-4 and four when Conley is not in the starting lineup. Yeah. We're not saying kick this guy out of town. We're saying let me let me play around with this starting lineup. Let me do what I need to do. I'm the basketball brain here, but it's just there's these big-headed business guys need to get involved in everything because it's their money. on. And, uh, it just makes no sense to me. It's like why would you not want – your season to prolong. Isn't that more money than what you're paying Conley to be on your roster? If you make it to the third round instead of a first round exit, all those ticket sales, merch, food, like think about that. Like I know I'm not the only guy thinking about that. Like it just makes no sense to me. And it's so frustrating when teams have talent and then ownership comes in and just freaking ruins everything. It's like the Phoenix Suns uh, in 07, 08, when they had the Steve Nash, Amari, Q Rich, Jay Rich, that yeah, roster, that and roster. then they had the one. They go to the conference final, lose to the Lakers, trade everybody. Yeah. Come on, man! And then the Phoenix Suns have been crap since then. What sucks is that the damage is already done now because the word has already been out that you were going to bench Mike Conley. So there should have just been benched. There, there goes his confidence, right? There goes now, and then the, I don't even think so, man. I feel like he's a good sport about it. I feel like he genuinely would understand. And, like, he does not strike me as the big personality that you need to, you know, bend over backwards to satisfy Mike and I'm make sure saying, that he doesn't walk out the door. Like I'm not saying he's going to be, like, throwing tantrums and stuff. But, like, if, you, if you're, you've if you been a starting guard for 10 years and you've been a leader of a team for 10 years and you're going to go – they want to move you to the bench, it's going to sting something. For sure. I'm not it's saying gonna he's going to throw a tantrum. It's going to sting. It's going to be like, man, I haven't been playing up to my ability. Obviously, he's going to want to try harder, right? Yeah. But yeah. that damage is already done. That confidence – is already not not gone, but it's hurt, right? I, I would agree with you, but he's a vet, man. I don't. I just don't know that he would get phased the same way, like a younger player. But like, I understand what you're talking about. But it's also confusing like, for the team too, because like, okay, we're gonna bench Conley. No, we're not. We're gonna bench Ingles. Ingles. Like, why would you bro, bench Ingles? Look at, Ingles, look right? at this so. comparison from last year to this year. All right, so last year he's 21 points a game. This year, 13. Uh, last year, 6.4 assists. Is this year four? Uh, let's look at some percentages. Last year, 44% from the field. This year, 39. Uh, just about the same three-point percentage, uh, but two points went down from 48 to 41%. So 
He's not efficient. He's averaging eight less points per game. He's not playing well. He's in and out of the lineup because of injury. And honestly, I was under the belief that with Mike Conley, they I think it'd be a top that four would be the thing. That would be the move team. that yeah. moves Utah to that uh, top tier. But uh, I guess they got some work to get done. Hopefully, management can get out of the way because I think with the way that the league is structured this year and the teams in the league. If you play your cards right and get some bit of luck, like every other championship team gets, you can go further. Any, there's like a good six or seven teams that can squeeze out a championship this year, for sure. But yeah, let's uh, let's let's wrap it up, Josh. I don't want to take up the rest of your night. I know we uh, already took up uh, <laughs> a lot of your time. So uh, thank you so much for joining the show again, and uh, we appreciate going back and forth with you, uh, hearing your opinion, not just on the Raptors, but uh, things going on around the league. And uh, whenever, whenever you want to come on the show, man, it's it'll be our honor. Honestly, just let us know, and we'll uh, we'll coordinate that right away. Yeah, for sure. No, it's uh, it's awesome. It's uh, an honor to be on. I appreciate uh, you guys reaching out and asking me. It's always a good time talking ball. So whether it's Raptors or otherwise, so yeah, I'm uh, I enjoyed it, and uh, thanks for having me on. No worries. And uh, just before we let you go, one more thing. That's the fourth straight person from Raptors Republic or some sort of affiliation yeah. to mention Mr. Blake Murphy. Uh, we had uh, we had Samson, Lewis, and uh, and William, William Lou. Yeah. And then wow. now yourself and every single one of you guys Blake, Blake, talked Blake, about Blake. how Blake helped you, them uh, get to where they are. Oh, so. uh, Blake is the best. I mean, you guys are scraping the bottom of the barrel here with me. But uh, Blake, um, there was this moment. I'll tell you guys about this moment. We were in uh, the Raptors media, uh, the media room before a game. And there was, uh, I don't think Will was there, but Lewis was there and uh, a couple other guys. And we were all sitting in the same spot at the, at the table, a bunch of us bloggers. And, and Blake came by and, and he kind of looked at us and he's like, oh, look, all of my children are here. And uh, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like this weird moment where we were all like, hey, dad, how's it going? <laughs> um, yeah. did, did you uh, do you remember that part when uh, it was when the, the OG and Serge scarf thing? Like blew up and then yeah. Serge posted something and OG commented like four or five times on his picture like yeah. I showed you like thank me or something like you remember when he was doing that that whole thing yeah it was like I made you <laughs> I influenced you thank me later <laughs> like all that so I remember Blake took like a screenshot of those comments and he's like this is me when anybody from Raptors Republic does anything and I was just dying so hard because I'm like. I know nothing about Blake and his relationship with anybody, but because of everyone that comes on and mentions his name, I can automatically assume that he's like the dad figure and he just hit me mm-hmm. with that joke. It was it was too funny. But uh but yeah, we we still got to get Blake on. Maybe one day we'll uh, Maybe. we'll get him on, but uh we'll definitely be like, "Hey man, all your children were uh, <laughs> we're, on, out, we're on the on. podcast. You got, you got to come <laughs> on and be a good parent." But uh again, Josh, thank you so much for your time and we really appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the Raptors games tomorrow and Sunday, and uh, I'll uh, I'll be excited to see what you what you tweet during the game. Absolutely, appreciate you guys. Uh, thanks for having me on again. Anytime, dude. Take care. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, yes, that is it for this week. Sorry about uh, that little break we we had, but I feel like today we we came with enough content to. Listen, we're all stars. We got a break. Yeah, come on, man. Come on, man. We're all stars. Not not quite. <laughs> not quite. But uh, but yeah, we're we're here with a lot of content this week, and we'll be back at you next week. So stay tuned. And if you have any topics that you want to discuss, let us know. And if not, we will see you next week. Take care.